Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey, what's up, people? Welcome back to another episode of Cultured and Candid. I'm your girl, E Boogie. And we got my girl, Viv. And we back for another time to debate with y'all on some lovely topics. But I don't think we're going to debate Hello. today. It's more of an educated discussion. Um, we're going to talk about we gonna t- black. What it means to be black. How black is beautiful. And we're going to go over some, some different things with y'all today. Y'all let us know if y'all agree or not. But we're going to have this conversation nonetheless. Oh, we're going to talk about black people today. No, we're just talking about the topic of black, however you see fit. Okay. Um, so sorry, y'all. Sometimes I just be off my rocker. <laughs> Nonetheless, one thing for sure, two things for certain. I have very strong feelings about being a woman of color, as we say um, in a PC style, but amongst my skin folks, being a black woman. Okay, I love it. I I think it's legit. I think it's the bee's knees. (laughs) Not the bee's knees. Girl, you know what? I think it's... The reason why I say it like that is this, Do bees even have knees? Yes, they do. They got joints, bitch. Don't try to play the bees. (laughs) Because it's like a... They got like, yeah, because they're an insect. They got a top leg and a bottom leg. Bitch, I'm not about to argue with you about this. (laughs) Nonetheless, honey, I don't care. I'm just asking. <laughs> I don't, I don't, the secret life of bees, I don't really know. I don't know either. I'm going to keep it cool. But um, one thing for sure, two things for certain. The best part, I think, I think I carry my blackness like a crown. Like I don't view it no other way. You know, I'm human first. And I always tell people that, like, I'm human first, you know, and I'm a woman second. And then I'm black. And I hate to say it like that, but I wait, I do that because in the climate that we live in, I need you to see me for who I am, regardless of all of the other things. Right. But I do wear my blackness like a crown and I it's like a it gives me a, a sense of air. Like as soon, as soon as I'm in a room full of white folks, I mean, look at my superior ass and this and then my melanated ass in this room. Yes, I did say that. You don't have to be surprised. Um, I'm not surprised at the statement. I'm just surprised at the logic. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you said something that stuck out to me that was, I'm a human first, I'm a woman second, and I'm black after that. Yeah. And yes, and. Yeah. Right? Um, I think that for people, as a black woman, right, I, I agree with that statement. I am both human well i am human i am a woman and i am black however i want you to see my blackness first mm-hmm. period like yeah i'm human that's a mm-hmm. given i'm walking upright i have <laughs> cognitive dissonance like uh, right. i'm human yes i can hold a conversation with you both intellectually and colloquially that's mm-hmm. fine right um however the first thing you see is my blackness. You don't even see my humaneness first, mm-hmm. right? And so with that, I would just not only hope that you see my blackness, but respect it mm-hmm. for what it is, you know, and what it represents. 
Mm-hmm. And if that's a constant reminder to what you or your ancestors contribute to, that's none of my business. <laughs> but you will respect black skin, period. Mm. Yes, they um. am, as you love to say. <laughs> yes, and as you love to say, I get that. I understand why you would feel that way. Um, but I would need to politely disagree. And the only reason why I say that is because you're going to see that I'm black naturally. It's on my skin, right? Well, for a woman like me, I'm a little fairer. So sometimes I get a little of this, a little of that, right? Um, but in general, I when I say I'm a human first, regardless of how you feel about my people, I want you to do as, as your Bible that usually people, you know, run to. I want you to do as your Bible says and treat me as you would want me to treat you. So regardless of what my skin says, regardless that I'm a woman, I want you to give me the human decency first. That's why I say I'm a human first. So I just need us to have the natural mother's milks of kindness first, because that's how I'm going to approach you naturally. I think that's why, like, I, you know, you're going to see the black regardless, you, you know, the woman maybe, you know, but I just, I, at the end of the day, I just want to be treated by all people, natural humaneness. That's it. Like, and I think that, I think I put them in that order based on how I want to be treated versus how I see, you know, as a general whole based, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm a human first. Like, I understand just like you understand, understand you know, shit like that. I understand that. Yeah. I think we're just looking at it a little differently. Um, Yeah. I think that, um, I think we have to remember that not everyone that we will encounter is Christian or believes in God. So their moral compass is different. Not to Mm -hmm. mention, there's a caveat for people who are Christian because everybody don't preach the same thing. Everybody's interpretation of of the word ain't the same you know like any piece of literature it's it's bound to have different interpretations for people pending what their pre-existing um biases are so like Mm -hmm. it, it would be nice for to be treated human but if you don't if you are raised to believe that there are only certain people who um, deserve that right and it's backed up by your religious beliefs you don't think you're doing anything wrong you know what I mean mm-hmm. so yeah it would be nice to be treated as human right mm-hmm. but that's something that you I mean you gonna notice that I'm human off the back like noticing that and being able to respect the fact that I'm human Um, whether you want to or not it's not like I mean you could ignore people sure right but um, ignoring people will only go so far, especially when you know their existence is is there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Karens get annoyed by people <laughs> who they don't think exist all the time. And they still, you know, react to, to said people, right? So like my humaneness, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Treat me like a human with human decency, but that's also subjective because Human decency is just like common sense. Common sense ain't common to everybody. And how you treat folk and what you think treating folks well is, 
may be a different standard than what I hold. But this blackness, you're going to see that through the door, whether you know I'm a woman or not. You're going to see this. Because I can't get a little androgynous. So the thing about it is the Bible was was more so of an example. But this is the thing. Right. I agree with you. Like what I believe to be human decency may not be the same for another. Right. But the thing about it is when I step through the door and allow my blackness to step in first, um, what ends up happening is you're going to treat me like you treat most black people. And until you get to know me, that's when you're going to start to alter your ideals, maybe not even your ideals, but more so how you treat me specifically. And that's nice. You know what I'm saying? But I think more so I step into rooms in that manner to disarm most most people like whites, like our, our white counterparts. Um, it's more so, like I said, it's a disarming effect because I need you to know, like, yes, I am black. You can't help but see that. Right. But at the very least of it all, I am an intelligent woman. That's it. I'm human. And I, that's more so where it lies for me. I want to ensure that you understand I'm not weaponizing my blackness because I think sometimes, don't get me wrong, I feel like anything that a black person does for the most part, right? I'll put that out there for the most part uh, to feel safe in spaces that they wouldn't necessarily be in or spaces that have been, um, overran by colonizers <laughs> in the context of, let's say, you know, you walking into a white department store and all these white folks in here, of course, your blackness is arming, is arming. And they are arming with their own whiteness and things and their privilege, right? Um, so when I walk into a room, it's important that I disarm these white people first and then I can armor myself with my blackness if needed. I think it's more so me trying to level the playing field um, than anything. And that's not to say that I'm successful consistently, but at the very least, this is my first tactic to be in a space that I wouldn't normally be in or a space that I'm not comfortable in and making myself comfortable. And I think that's important for all black people to do in any place and not just being like, yeah, my black self is here or hear me roar, but more so like I'm here, I'm not here to, I'm here, but I'm not here to disrupt. I'm not here to, you know, uh, muddle the waters. I'm just here. So, like, let me live. Um, I'm not saying what. Um, I think that this is a great preface to the conversation that we're going to have because our ideas of Blackness and the responsibility of being Black are different. Um, because... So yeah. to your point of walking into a predominantly white space and feeling the need to disarm folks, um, I don't think that that's our, our responsibility as black people to disarm folks from their whiteness. Like mm. that is their responsibility. Mm. It is not for us to dim mm. our own light or to um, to censor ourselves for their comfort. No one's asking white people to censor themselves for others' comfort. You know, they can freely exist. Asian people can freely exist. 
And to a degree, Hispanic people can freely exist. No one is asking these people to dim themselves mm -hmm. and shrink themselves for white palatability. No. Why should we? So that's what you believe that I'm doing? <laughs> to view yourself as weaponizing your blackness in a, in a space where you're just being yourself and trying to make others feel comfortable so that you're not coming across as weaponizing your blackness. First of all, our blackness cannot be weaponized. The truth cannot be weaponized. Who I am, who I present to be is just who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not a mm -hmm. slight to who you are and, and what you represent, right? But I should be able mm -hmm. to be my authentic self in spaces. That's not to say I should be able to be rude and disrespectful in places, right? Um, unless that rudeness is being imposed upon me, right? I'm going to meet you where you are. But mm -hmm. right. I should not have to step into a space and right. be like, oh, well, let me present a certain way so that they are comfortable. That's not my, <laughs> to live in my blackness for me, to, to wear my blackness as, as, as a crown, you know, and be prideful of it is to be unapologetically myself in those spaces. Mm -hmm. If you want to look, baby, look, but don't you touch period. Mm -hmm. Because I can, I can be me and regally me all day. I don't, I don't need your approval. And if you scared, baby, back away. That's fine. I understand. But I'm a shine regardless. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course. I understand. I understand why you would say that. I get that because it's true. Um, let's keep it a buck. It is true. Um, however, it's not realistic. That's the thing. I live in the world of the realism. I, I can't, you're right. I cannot weaponize my blackness technically um, by just stepping in the room in a predominantly white or whatever room. However, the realization of it is that that is the mindset before I open my mouth. So it's not necessarily about making them comfortable, but easing the tension in the room so that I am comfortable. See, at the end of the day, I understand that it's not my responsibility to make anybody feel anything, um, only for me to feel comfortable in these spaces. And in doing so, if that means that I have to place myself in a space that allows you to feel, feel comfortable, then that's just what it is. Um, I'm not going to call myself a people pleaser or anything like that, but more so of the fact that I want to ensure that when I step into any room, I don't feel threatened and you don't feel threatened either. So, you know, call it what you want, you know what I'm saying? But this is what, these are the survival tactics that I've placed um, on myself. Cause I know, you know, when we were growing up, we lived in predominantly black neighborhoods. So these weren't things that we had to do. We went to predominantly black schools, though we may have interacted with others. You know what I'm saying? But as me and you got older and became adults, we started to place ourselves in these predominantly white areas. Um, me probably a little sooner than yourself. And in doing so, I realized that it was important for me to feel safe. And however the fuck that had to happen, it was going to happen. Plain and simple. And, you know, you call it, you know, Uncle Tommy or whatever. 
Well, it ain't never that because you know I'm still be a nigga. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, it was you know putting myself in a position where it's like, sweetheart, I am who I am. My personality shines through. Has nothing to do with being a black woman. Enjoy the personality, but just don't forget I am a black woman. That's just what it is. Um, I would say that. Uh, um, I would say my take on being unapologetically myself. Um, in the space full of white people um, came from my upbringing. My grandmother had two oil companies, first black woman in oil to have her own oil businesses from the ground up that wasn't inherited by some form of family, right? Um, She was in rooms Mm -hmm. with folks, big executive folks, like um, big exec folks like Texaco, Mobile, Phillips, you know, um, Amico before it became BP, you know what I'm saying? And she walked into a space with these white men, these powerful mm-hmm. white men and was unapologetically herself and taught myself, my sister and my cousins how to step into those rooms and to be unapologetically yourself around yeah. white folks. Because at the end of the day, those are the business deals that are had, whether that was on a golf course, whether that was in a boardroom, mm-hmm. whether that was on trips, or mm-hmm. meeting people in random spaces like restaurants or um, hotel lobbies, things of that nature, to be unapologetically yourself, mm-hmm. polished, yes, but you, you don't have to switch up who you are in order to gain respect. People respect you more for being yourself mm-hmm. than putting on a face. And I've been learning that a lot even in my job now. Like one of my coworkers, I was at his house yesterday for a bonfire and he was like one thing I love about you that you are yourself everywhere and he was like yeah it may not be um it may not be all aspects of you because of course we're at work Mm -hmm. but right there is not a huge difference between who you are in the office and who you are when you're not in the office and I love that he was like because I am one way in the office like office his, his office personality versus his relaxed at home personality are two different people. Right. And I'm like, I don't have time to live two different lives. I'm okay. Um, and you know, like that, that's just me. And then from the time that we were old enough to answer telephones, we've been going into boardrooms, into, um, galas, into these prominent spaces with white folk with my grandmother mm-hmm. at the time and my mom. Right. And you be you, you're articulate. Mm-hmm. You know, you have great thoughts. You can hold a conversation. And that's who you are. And that's fine. Um, but I don't have to dim who I am and what I'm interested in around around folks for the sake. I don't of, like how you saying it. <laughs> I mean, because that's that's what it is to have to disarm other people to be comfortable so that you can be comfortable. You can be comfortable and mm. they can figure out a way to be comfortable. And that's just what it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Now that I'm at the age I'm at, I don't, because, you know, keep in mind, like, it's about how you raised, right? So being raised in a family full of code switchers, what do you do? Right? This is the space. Do what you need to do. Right? Um, Now that I'm over 30, like, I've learned how to be my authentic self in any space. And that means that I speak how I fit, see fit. You know what I'm saying? And I, if I don't like the shit, I don't like the shit. Straight like that. Like when we had our best friend therapy the other day. 
And I was telling you about this white woman who's literally like passing these microaggressions to make me be viewed as an angry black woman. Well, like, what the fuck do you do in that case? You either be the person that they say you are, you know what I'm saying? Show them something different or you disarm to ensure that the space is a cleared space. At the end of the day, I chose the latter because it made sense. Why There is no need for me to, you know, I'm like I said, I'm a hundred percent myself at work, which is why you felt that this, this was a space for you to be comfortable enough to make me seem like the angry black woman. That's why. And that's okay. And I think everybody handles their blackness differently. And I think now that, um, I think now that some of the black movement is gain, gaining a little traction because these races are coming out just out of, out of the gate, just aggressive uh, and just harassing people of color. Um, you know, it's a little bit more lax. But like I said, when you're raised in a house full of code switchers, you do what you need to do in the space that you need to be in. That's just what it is. But to each his own. And then it's a difference between it's a difference between stepping into a space momentarily and being in that space consecutively. It's a big difference. What do you mean? But you choosing? What do you mean? Hmm? What do you mean by that? Because like you gave you gave the ex the examples of you know just being in the rooms with these with these white people of power and things like that. And yeah, that's great, you know what I'm saying, for a couple hours. But there's a difference when you're dealing with these people consecutively, every like you do now, you know what I'm saying, at work every day. And it takes time for you to get to that space where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to be unapologetically me. And maybe I just haven't got there completely. But I am 100% myself in every room, regardless of the things that come out of my mouth. There's, there's still me. Okay. Honestly, I feel attacked. I feel like my blackness is being attacked. It's not being attacked. I mean, <laughs> if, if your stance is to... And if it is, it's fine. <laughs> if your stance is just to to be viewed as human and then a woman and then black after that, that's that's what it is. You know? Like, yeah. it's, it's not being attacked. Um, I'm just saying... I'm saying that I view my blackness differently. Um, and then we transitioned into a space where you were like, maybe you were introduced to being in predominantly white spaces at an earlier time than I was. And so, no, I'm no. in a consecutive space, like a, no, a consecutive no, no, no. I'm space. In a consecutive. This is every like day, every day after school, being in rooms with white people every day mm. for That's nice. 20 something years. So every day. I was talking about like every day for seven to eight hours. I mean, yeah. And then going and then going to work for another six hours, and it, it is just like, ugh, it just makes you tired. Being yourself makes you tired. No, 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 no. Like being in a back then. Keep in mind, I'm like 15. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm in, I'm in a school where there's seven black people. I might get like 30 minutes of interaction with black folks in my regular day. And then I go to work and I'm dealing with number white folks. That's another six hours. So now I've spent, what's that? 14. 16, 14, 14, 16 hours of my day. Thank you so much for the quick math. <laughs> I was with 14 Eight hours of my day. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm bad at math. It was 
I'm spending so much time on my day just being in these spaces with these people that I don't have anything in relation with. I don't see what they see. I don't understand in the way that they understand. And it just feels like I'm drowning. Like I don't, I can't be who I'm supposed to be or who I want to be because as soon as I do, then I am causing a problem. Because keep in mind, this is Trump country, previous Trump. Like this is before Trump. <laughs> this is redneck country. Yeah, the shit was exhausting to turn off the black because that was a requirement because I was already being viewed as being lazy, not being intelligent and all these other things. Like, bruh, it's I think what really pissed me off was I noticed all of the, the other black students, which was only like three or four other ones, how hard they were working to show up these white kids in these AP classes. And I was just like, you got to be exhausted. I'm exhausted in the regular classes because these people are fucking dumb. It's exhausting. It was exhausting running a race that I knew was was a pointless race. I think it's more so what it is. Exhausting. Not exhausting being myself because I didn't, I don't get to be myself until I get home. That's just what it is. But when you're raised with that mentality, you know what I'm saying? Don't let these white, these white folks, you know, see you sweat. Don't let them see you this. Don't let them see you that. That shit is exhausting. Straight like that. I'm assuming you were going to segue into something. What were you going to segue into? <laughs> you spoke about the like black movement. And I think that a common misconception is that the black movement resurfaced when it never ended, if that makes sense. Um you know, we went from we went from one fight to the next. I think a lot of people, um, some black folks included, feel like you know the 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 fight for rights ended with the civil rights movement, and that's partially to do with what they teach you in in the history books in school, right? Because for twelve years they tell you like, oh, this is black history. Black history started with slavery and it ends with civil rights. Woohoo! Right? No. No, I agree. Right. Um, I think black people in America have been fighting the good fight since before the Declaration of Independence was signed. I'm not going to lie to you. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you have people before there were ever slaves here. There were indentured mm -hmm. servants yeah. that were here who worked off their debts from Europe and then became <laughs> free people. Um who were doing their things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that's why you had free black people in the North prior to slaves, prior to slavery, you know? So um, in, in that, right, um, you've been fighting a good fight to be viewed as an equal to your white counterpart since hell, the 1700s, you know? So like, it's it's been it's it's been a wild ride and it hasn't stopped because even after mm -hmm. even after civil rights we had to fight right fucking crack epidemic right we had to fight um you know the the war on drugs because the war on drugs was just a euphemism for the war on black folk and black clammies. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's bananas and then from right. there you got um quote unquote black on black crime that was just heavily 
like a, me a media message that was heavily put out there. And I was like, when you start looking into it, black on black mm -hmm. crime don't even exist in real life. It's crime within proximity. If you sit around enough black people for enough time, Mm -hmm. it becomes Black a war of resources right. and who's going to get it before the next person and if you live in an area that is heavily populated by the same folk well duh you know what I mean like what it, it makes no sense so predominantly black yeah <laughs> what the fuck go happen right <laughs> like black on black crime was so that shit was so stupid <laughs> The idea of black or black crime is fucking redundant. You like people don't realize crime happens in a neighborhood, right? People live amongst them people because regardless of what this whole like integration thing did, people still decide to stay with their own. Let's keep it cool. I don't want to say they say that they decide to stay because sometimes economically that's the only thing that they can do. So they're, you know, curtailed to an area redlining, right? So who live in your neighborhood? The people that look like you. And there's no such thing as, you know, Hispanic on Hispanic crime, white on white crime. That's just regular crime. Asian on Asian crime, Indian on Indian crime. There's no such thing. And it's not that it don't happen. Exactly. It's not that it does not exist. It's not that they don't do the same things that people in black neighborhoods are doing. Mm -hmm. They may not do it to the degree. You Ain't know, no interracial crime. Um, it may not be as prevalent. <laughs> Who? Ain't no interracial crime. <laughs> Are we also counting the many, how many times a black person assaults a white person and vice versa? Like, like, or what the fuck? It's, it's, it's a narrative. It's all a part of the narrative. Do you not, do you agree? I know it's you agree. bananas is what it is. It is. Um, and then, you know, and then we move from black on black crime to police brutality like there has been not man stop in the fight for black civil rights mm -hmm. and they clearly just do not want to give them to us at all or they don't want to let us reap the benefits of the fucking laws that are already in place and it's just like what the hell but all men are created equal i don't know <laughs> that's what they say that, that um, shit's wild my point was yeah my point was like the things that come out of these movements, out of these fights for our rights end up benefiting other people. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think there's a selflessness to the black civil rights movements that are occurring and have occurred that benefit everybody but us. Sometimes and us, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of the times other people have better benefits to our struggle mm -hmm. than we do for our own struggle. Like when we look at um, something more recent, like Black Lives Matter, the anti-lynching bill right. that we got in 2020. Girl. I think it was 2020 or 2021. Too right? late. Anti-lynching <laughs> It was bill. too late. Way too late, right? But, but to have that bill and then, and this is no... This is no hate to to my Asians. I love y'all. They have an Asian hate bill that was also passed at the same time, but it rolled the wave mm. of Black Lives Matter. You know what I mean? Like it rolled that whole wave, and the 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 solidification 
of their bill that passed and then the anti-lynching bill like their bill held way more weight like way more weight Mm -hmm. and ours was just like well there you go people can't lynch you no more damn like really i feel you know there was no substantive weight to that bill at all and i was just like beyond the fact that they're like yo don't do this okay don't do that anymore timmy (laughs) whereas the the asian hate crime bill was like you do this and you got major repercussions okay Um, like this is not time out in a cookie billy this is this is real life hard prison the issue i have i just and i'm gonna have a real candid moment and i want this disclaimer before i say what i have to say um i love everyone i always have i don't i'm not one of those people like i don't see culture i I see it i respect I felt like the issue that drove that anti that anti Asian hate bill was so minuscule in comparison to everything that Black people have suffered in this country. Now, that does not negate what happened in World War II with the Japanese Americans and how they held you in intern camps and things of that nature. I will never take that away from your people, right? But keep in mind, black people built this country and we are the least favored. It is so interesting. It requires so many bills for us to have the things that you naturally receive when you decide you want to become a citizen of this country. How unfair. And when that when that Asian hate bill came about, it was like, damn, we was just saying Black Lives Matter a few months ago. What happened? Um, I think one of the biggest issues in the Black movement is the sense of, commu- of community and how we see um, others being downtrodden and taking them among taking it amongst ourselves to try to help them as well. I hate to say it like that. And like I said, this is a candid moment and I, I love everybody, but I feel as though when it comes down to the black movement, it's important that we focus on those who we're trying to, you know, to actually help succeed and that would be people of color, or black people, excuse me, to be exact. Um Yes, and I think that it's important for the Black community to focus their efforts um, into the initial issue and to not be swayed into um, pulling the support that has been gained for the particular issue and put that behind another issue. I feel like we be Bernie Sandering a lot of the time. <laughs> Please elaborate. <laughs> I'm for real. I feel like black people be Bernie Sandering a lot. Like we garner all this support, all of this 
you know, all of this momentum behind a particular issue and to help benefit the black community. And then we put our support behind some other stuff. And it's like, when are we ever going to address our own issues and do the things that help our issues um, be resolved in a matter that works, Mm -hmm. right? Like I watch how people in other demographics will garner support for issues and then turn those into bills or turn those into um, like standards for, for things. And we need to be able to use our collective power and collective ingenuity into making things that are solidified. Like I think the only bill we've come together on as a people is that Civil Rights Act 1964. You feel me? Like before then, I mean, after after that time, there's been no other piece of legislation put into, mm-hmm. you know, put into like yeah. our nation's fold for us outside of that anti-lynching bill. And mm. I don't even recall that being a consensus for any of our movements thus mm-hmm. far. Like we don't have a police brutality bill like that actually holds policing to a standard if that's something that we're going to use everybody want to defund it but nobody's putting any regulation in place because they know they're not defunding it you know what i mean like mm-hmm. because they're not be- getting rid of their militias at home they just not it becomes um retaliatory that's what what it boils down to it like when we have these movements we have these marches and we these protests it's always because it's an outcry of something that's happened to our people or one of our people and when we're asking for demands, we're like, we we want the police out of this and we want nobody, you're right, nobody's putting forth any type of work to actually try to change the legislation, but they want the heads of the people who actually did the act in question. It's always, this person needs to go to jail because we're, we're putting, still putting all of this faith within the system we say we don't believe in. I've seen, um, I'm sure you've been seeing these videos, TikTok and Instagram, of these um, women of color in legislature, um, Congress or what have you. And they're in these meetings and they're asking these questions to these, you know, these other people, um, regardless, maybe they're heads of companies, maybe they're heads of departments within our own, you know, government. And they're asking these questions like, well, you know, is it true that you spent this amount of money on these and nothing came from it. And of course these, these white men, cause they're usually white men on the panel. These white men are giving it like, Oh, I don't have the answer. Oh, I don't have the answer. And it's just like, what good are these questions really doing? What are you doing as a person of color within the, within the wheelhouse to actually help the people that you say you represent? Because to keep in mind, the whole point of democracy is to elect someone that we believe will try to make the changes for us within the government. It, it can't just be on the people because at the end of the day, if you just, you know, listen to everything that some of these movements are requesting is basically they're like anarchy. Like we just want to, <laughs> we just want to tear the government down and rebuild. That's perfectly fine. you know, in, in law in theory, but logically, like what's truly being done? I think that logically, um, 
an overthrow of the government is just not possible. Of course um, not. Well, I'm not going to say that. An overthrow of the government is possible. It's just uh, coming back to a form of government that can benefit all people has not been actualized. So people don't have a like rubric to follow. And American people are such that they need something to follow um, because the cre the collective creativity is so on opposite ends of the spectrum. And this spectrum is not linear. It is quite literally circular and we're all on the edge, you know? So, so, um, it's, it's very hard to figure out how a, how a government would be able to function, right? Um, with something that's never been done. Now, granted, people can be like, oh, well, people done it before they crossed into this land and they created a government that nobody had seen before, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. Um, however, yes and. Right. They created a system that people were not using at the time. However, they learned the, I would say our forefathers for the country learned what democracy was from the people who were living here before they claimed it for their own. Because I don't, I think indigenous country, I mean, indigenous nations who were here were operating in a form of democratic principle. Yes, there was a head of said nation, um, but there was a collective responsibility that went into the decision-making um, like that's why you see tribal councils now right mm -hmm. um because there's a collective decision making that happens but it's only effective if one the people who are elected to be the voice of the collective are honest and looking out for the interest of the collective people mm -hmm. um, and are moving toward what's best for the nation and there could be argument that we as a as a nation are doing that but we are not including all members of the nation in that conversation right. it's about what best benefits the one percent mm -hmm. okay so eh. but on Next. to better things right because it feels fantastic. like it's time for a segment does it now yes okay Let's go ahead and get a segment started. The segment for today is stupid shit that people say. Dumbass. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> what we got today, E-Buggy? Uh, we got a couple things. Um, I think first up is this Lizzo conversation, though. Like, people have been Ew. going nutty. You hear me? Like, nutty. Um, there was this... I don't even know what to call it anymore. What is this app called now? It's no longer Twitter. It's just, it's no longer. I don't know. X? I no longer have an account. Oh, okay. I guess it's called X. I no longer have an account. Okay, no worries. Um, for, for various reasons. Wink, wink. Oh, <laughs> all right now. Come on for the wink, winks. 
honey. I don't know nothing about that. That ain't none of my business. Did it, girl, you get on my nerve. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's called X now. Yeah, so this um, this person with an X account um, put up a meme of um, of Lizzo and it said um, Lizzo made her dancers walk to Manhattan for cheesecake and bring it back. However, you can tell that this person is either a troll or a Gen Zer because why you say that? Okay, because the subsequent posts that they were making, both mm-hmm. in response to what people were saying and just mm-hmm. their own ideology, was suggesting that this was not a parody of Diddy making the band members go get junior's cheesecake from manhattan this person actually thought that lizzo made her dancers go to manhattan for cheesecake like walk to manhattan for cheesecake and bring it back and i'm like no this happened already (laughs) like they're being where's the meme let me see the meme honey i I can't find it right now but i was like really Okay, so for those who don't know what's going on with Lizzo, Lizzo is currently being sued by former dancers um, for nine counts um, uh, between the, you know, the plaintiffs, if you will. One of those being um, sexual assault or sexual harassment. uh, Another being um, just basically harassment of religion. Um, <laughs> there's just been so much, and this is against her and her production team. And I believe one of her managers or what have you, um, they were just basically saying there was a lot that was going on. They felt like they were going to be like fired. So it's like, it was just a lot going on between Lizzo and the dancers. It, the, what do you call that? The actual complaint is public because if you don't know anything that is brought through, uh, the courts is actually public knowledge. Let's see. What is that? It says oh, new no, reports not- say Lizzo forced dancers to walk from Midtown Manhattan to Brooklyn for a single slice of cheesecake. That is Diddy's making the band. That is not Lizzo. Yes, Diddy making the band. If you're not old enough to remember this, okay, Diddy had a show called Making the Band. He was trying to put together like a rap group. I don't know why rap groups were a thing back then, but it but it worked. Okay. You only had a few rappers that was like really good solo. Hilarious. <laughs> or what have you. And he made these people do all kind of crazy shit because he kept closing the studio because they kept fighting or they wasn't making music. And one of their punishments was to go get him some Junior's Cheesecake out of wherever they so, were. <laughs> the caption that he made for his for uh, the post is, oh my God, mm-hmm. it just keeps getting worse and worse. Right. And then underneath okay. it, it's like uh, somebody was like, oh, y'all not getting a joke. If you haven't watched Making the Band, did he did this? Not Lizzo. And the person right. who created the post just responds like, wow, not you trying to take the achievements, achievements away from a woman and give them to a man. I guess feminism is over. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said he, he could be a troll or he could just be a Gen Zer who's I never did. watched it. Oh, my God, that is so stupid. Yes, it is. 
Don't make references if you don't understand them. Oh, I mean, but he God. just reposted it thinking it was an actual news article because that's how the picture oh is set God. up. So I'm not sure. Oh <laughs> and then he says, I'm not. It, somebody said, didn't did he do this on making the band? And he says, I'm not sure. I didn't watch that. Sorry. So I'm like, oh. yikes. <laughs> you know? Yikes. Oh, God. Young man. Young man, it's before your time. Mm -hmm. Don't just, just, it's before your time. The ones that get it, get it. Like, ugh. That, you know what? I just, I realize that people say stupid shit all the time, but I truly just be thinking they be trolling. I really do. I never think about the fact that people really be just prime example today i'm looking at this video right it's like one of those real estate videos where they're like oh for a hundred thousand hundred and fifty thousand dollars you can get this house in kenya right mm -hmm. so it's like nairobi or something and you know how like on instagram sometimes like a, a one of the posts or the comments kind of pop up so when i started reading the comment i was like let me see what this full comment is. Mind you, I never look in the comment section, even though people say that's where the real entertainment is, right? So I'm looking at the comment. The comment's like, yeah, that's a nice house or whatever. Um, but keep in mind of the crime rate, yada, 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 right? So something in me tells me, go to this person's page. And of course, it was one of our alabaster friends. Mm-hmm probably from the UK, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm like, I can't trust your judgment, right? So I immediately start looking at the, he had 143 replies to his comment. <laughs> 143 replies to his comment. Uh, I will say people who make those kinds of comments, especially on um property available in African countries mm -hmm. are not realizing that most of them don't have 23 million, 23, uh, you know, 23 million, 44 mm -hmm. million um, Kenyan shillings to just, to just do what they want with. Like that's big money right. to them. What's $150,000 to us and may be indicative of mm -hmm. a, not so great neighborhood is not right. the same for them. That's twenty-two right. million dollars to them. Right, it's a different kind of neighborhood. <laughs> it's a different type of neighborhood, just like it is here. Like I don't think people realize this, right? Mm -hmm. So, mind you, he in his comment he says, "I googled the I googled the city. The crime rate is you know it's outrageous, right?" So one of the responses was like, "In Chicago's not." <laughs> Uh, bro, so many Chicago people responded to this. Like, bro, have you ever been to Rogers Park? You crazy? Have you ever been anywhere right in here. Chicago? You're not safe <laughs> anywhere unless you live in the suburbs like Deerfield. Like, and that is far as fuck for anybody. You that know knows. what I mean? Like, like you out here like Oak Forest. <laughs> they live in Naperville. Like, <laughs> where you stay, Joliet, nigga? Like, like what? So weird. It was so just. Weird. So it was so fucking asinine because far too often when you see people comment on anything that has anything to do with a per with people of color, black people or whatever, it's always something fucking negative. Like, and of course it was a white man that had to say it. Like, bro, stay where you at. Mm -hmm. Like, 
You in the UK, you not concerned. Guess what? A little ignorant ass baby grew up on the south side of Chicago will be in fucking heaven for 150K. Like, come on, give me a fucking break. It was just outrageous. And then, like, I started seeing his replies to people. He was like, well, I bet you you won't be able to just go to the store like you normally do. It's definitely not one of those. How the fuck would you know? It ain't like it got a fucking address on it. Um... More so, disgusting. how would you know if you've never been to experience it for yourself to say that people Bro. can't walk down the street like, or can't go to their local grocer? You have no idea Bro. what people are capable of, especially if you've never lived there. Not to mention our alabaster friend. Mm-hmm. You may not be welcome in that space. Hello. <laughs> now, disclaimer, some of these videos, they do be like barbed wire and like all kind of shit on top of the fence. I mean, but like, the, those but, are security you know, measures. You never know. We have, to, <laughs> we have to also remember that this is Africa. They have right, different true. types of animals that just wander true. around. So barbed wire Very fencing true. is not unheard yeah. of when you have things that you have to fight off like leopards. And Good Jesus. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, those are not uncommon animals to just be hanging around. Girl, don't say that. I was my, me and my mama because you know I want to move to Africa, and, and my mama loves sending me videos of people getting attacked by animals out there. And I'm just like, bro, like when you live in a metropolitan city, this is not something you concerning yourself with. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not gonna stunt. Kenya is a place that I wouldn't mind moving to. You know what I'm saying, but at the same time, like I don't. You, they got measures, like you said. Get these animals off your gate. Exactly. Even if like, it's something small like an iguana, you know, you, maybe you just don't want them in your space. Girl, don't say that. Iguanas freak me out. Iguanas are cute. I, I like iguanas, mm-hmm. and that could just be my bias because I lived and worked in Florida. But they they are so harmless, and they get so big. But they, I think my favorite part is that their tails detach, and I love it. I think that's all it is because that's some freaky shit. I mean, it's, but it's also a like survival maneuver, so people can't try to like kill them. Mm-hmm. They be like, also, right. something. No, girl, I'm not finna sit here and talk about no goddamn iguanas with you. Uh, no, another thing that somebody said that was super stupid, nigga, gonna say most of the bitches out here today will be declared witches in the 1600s, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? What I wouldn't I wouldn't say that he wrong. I don't even think that's a stupid girl, one because it girl. is. First of all, you have people nowadays who declare themselves as witches, especially very people true. within the Wiccan community. They are outwardly very mm-hmm. very verbal about the fact that they are witches, right? But just people in general who are looking into spellcraft and. Um, who are into like the crystals and mm-hmm. you know moonlight rituals and stuff like that? Like they will see that as they will see that as witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Even just if it's um if it's like family stuff, like being into different modes of spirituality. If it's not the main religious, um, if it's not their main religion, mm-hmm. Puritans would have called that shit. <laughs> witchcraft period. I'm so done okay girl you be really agreeing with this nigga cause it's the second thing that Cam that told me that you agree with it is crazy like nah so I mean I get some of the shit 
Yeah, I get some of them, but come on. Girl, he not fucking with no bitch like that, though. He don't be fucking with no bitch like that. That's what we that said. Like, you don't even on fuck Instagram with and everything. What are you talking about? Now, you know what I thought was stupid? You know how these pictures have surfaced (laughs) about Summer Walker and how she enjoying her time outside now that she done left Lil Meech. Um, It's a a picture of her because she went to the club with Suki Hana, Saucy, Snexy Red. She's on a car outside with her leg extended Mm -hmm. and they're covering her hoo-ha. Okay. And so they was like, but she'd be at them shows in a nightgown on a stool whispering. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Bitch. Let that girl have a life. No. Let her have a life. If she, if she has people anxiety for real when it comes to her shows, that's different than being outside having a good time with her friends because you never know how, how much <laughs> coaxing and like pushing they had to do for her to even get out the house. You don't know because she do got twins and a whole nother kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay. You never know what went into her having that moment and you never know how much hurt she's gone through to just say, fuck it. And, mm-hmm. and, and go outside and wild for a minute. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She like, no. fuck everything. I'm about to have a good ass time because I've been on a leash. Ooh, <laughs> I've been okay. keeping it in. Okay. Um, one, I want to party with Suki Hanna. That bitch look like she fun. Two, um, <laughs> I think that shit was not stupid. I think that was very factual because she definitely do be on stage in them nightgowns whispering. Three, I understand. I understand she got a lot of shit going on in her personal life. You feel me? So it is what it is, but it can't be stupid if it's true, my boy. I mean, but she also just changed up her whole style and approach to doing shows. Like she hired uh, Tiana Taylor to be her um, creative director. That's so um, like the style of her shows has been changing because she even came out and was like, y'all always say I don't do much for my shows. And she came with some with some hard facts. Mm-hmm. But she was like, y'all don't say this to Janae Aiko when she go on stage and she just sway and she's, you know, just in her <laughs> music and she walk back and forth. Y'all don't say shit to her. She do be saying. Y'all don't, you know what I'm saying? You don't say anything to people like, you know, like the old school artists, like the Sade's or, Mm -hmm. you know, people who just want to sit on a stool and be in a moment. Yeah. Like motherfuckers ain't even say shit to like like a Lauren Hill or, or Erica Badu when they just, Mm -hmm. and they, they, they chilling, they not putting on a whole entertainment production. And Summer was like, I just want to vibe with y'all. I'm not trying to be out here being a Sierra and giving a whole three step, two step, you know, ain't nobody trying to do all that, but that's what y'all want to see from me. So this is what I'm gonna do, which is cool. I thought that was nice to do because she didn't have to do it. Big bug, big bug. What's up? You really just named this bitch in a list of like some iconic like singers. Bitch. It's not the same when you don't have the repertoire to sit in the middle of the stage and sing your shit. I don't think you should complain about it. Like, I think she can, though. I, I think mm. that she has a repertoire that allows her to sit in the middle of the stage. She's not and a shot boy. And sing. She, she's not a shot. Her music does not require a motherfucker to get up and dance. It do oh, not. I agree with that. 
I do. It don't. So she can oh, fit in I the see stage what you said. with some. Like, she ain't got no big ass like party song. So it ain't like niggas she out here. She don't got no in the club songs. <laughs> I mean, they'll true. play them in the club for you to be in your feelings to be like, yeah, that's you motherfucking know right. But that's, she that's don't true. have no shake ass music. Very true. That's true. She has you know soft, what? sensual music and some real like she got Mary J. Blige music. True. Because, well, you know, Mary started hitting them club hits, like, but she can sing though. Let's let's keep it a buck. She not she not Mary mm-hmm. on that tip. She can sing, but uh, you know, Mary started them club hits when we when we was kids. I used to love them club hits. Holleration <laughs> in the dance Yeah, but, but some of don't do that, and I'm some just don't like, do that. you right. Her mother's to be mad because she outside with her leg up and you know doing a little something something. Yeah. you don't know even how much it took to her for her to do that. True, for her to just really let go. And then who knows? Mm-hmm. She could have stage fright as an artist. Like yeah, so which is true. Her personal life and her performance, like her two professional life, would be two yeah. different things. You right? I ain't mad at you, big fella. <laughs> yeah, and and what's funny to me is that we forget as consumers mm-hmm. that the only reason you even know she's on a car outside is because she's a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Because it's plenty of people who go outside right now and oh, turn up on a weekend with their girls or go out of town to, you know, Miami or wherever, yeah. Vegas, wherever, and mm-hmm. will tee up yeah. and go back to work on Monday and be a whole nother person. Yeah, that is me. She is me. I am her. You are she her like too that. on the slick. But wouldn't nobody know, know it? That. <laughs> Don't know why they need to know that. I'm like, but would nobody know it though? <laughs> I am a reformed. Whatever, bitch. If I tell you, AG, let's go ahead and get into some ratchet shit. It's not like a day. Bitch, you all I gotta tell you is I'm feeding you, bitch. You coming. Shut <laughs> up. I do like food. I know. You my friend. All I gotta tell you is like, bitch, we're gonna go eat a couple times. Let's go do some ratchet shit though. Anyway, right, we're gonna, we gonna bring it bring back. It back. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Talk to me. What does it mean to be black to you? I can't answer that. And this this is why, right? Because it's it's what it, I can't say what it means because every time you say what it means, it's just like you you just basically explaining the things that we do. What it means to be black. I am black. Everything it means everything because without it, what who am I? What am I? So I just think what it means to be black for me is just everything. I have no definitive I have no definitive to give. You know what I'm saying? Like how can you encompass what it means to be something when it's exactly the core being of who you are? Like that being is very black, interesting. What? Why you say um, that? I say it's interesting because of our earlier conversation. Yeah. I told you I'm growing, bitch. <laughs> um, no, I'm saying that because you're saying that, you know, blackness is who you are. It's at the core of your being. It's hard to yeah. explain. Yeah. However, you I'm want like, people to see you as human and then a woman first. Yeah. When your blackness is the core of who you are. Because I can't. The thing about it is I, I can change being a woman. <laughs> I could change being a human. No, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> nah, it's just what I was telling you earlier, you know what I'm saying, is really who I used to be. You know what I'm saying? 
that's exactly the person I used to be. And now, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm sure you've seen it with some of the conversations we had now. Understanding and being proud, like this whole, with what, what the movement really doing right now, right? I'm sorry, I'm getting off. But the what the movement really doing right now is showing people how to be proud of their blackness. And for a long time, I never, I think why it was always human, woman, black was because I didn't understand my blackness. I didn't understand what it was. It wasn't until I really went to like HBCU that I actually understood what it meant to be black or at the very least to accept, I don't want to say accept, but just be like, okay, this is who I am. This is a part of me, not just a list. You know what I'm saying? So what does it mean? I'm telling you, I've never been able to give you a summation of it. Okay, so if I was just to give you some adjectives, is that what you're asking for? You ask bad No, I'm confused because you started off saying that you can't tell me what it means to be black because it's the wholeness of you. It's the fullness of you. Right? But then you say that you learned what it meant to be black when you went to an HBCU. So okay, so my word, it? it's my wording. Apologies. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I got to a HBCU that I realized the importance of of being black. If that makes more sense, right? But what it did was it enveloped me. <laughs> and I know you hate when I say that. <laughs> but what hey, it is, you want to be mailed off? Go ahead. You know, <laughs> put a stamp on me, baby. Um, but what it did was it enveloped me. It, it's almost like I went to HBCU and, and you know how they, they tell you they dip me in the water. I came out white as snow, right? They dip me in the water and I came out black, baby. And it's just, if you, if I had to give a summation, I guess now, you know, you know, I like the bullshit. So if I just had to say like, what does it mean to be black? You know, like, bro, it's everything. What it means to be black. It's, it's the rhythm. Actually, you know what? <laughs> I, <laughs> I had a professor. It didn't matter what the class was. She always in the class or sometime during the class. She always say, you know, we came over here with nothing but rhythms and seeds. Right. I never understood what she meant until about graduation time. Because being black is is a heartbeat. It's it's. It's a real deep thing. Like, I can't give you an example. Can you just start off? I think it's better if you tell me what that means to you and maybe I'll have a guiding. Because for me, it's just like, it's everything. I have no answer for you. I know this sounds so ignorant, but I have no answer. I have not on what what it means to me, everything. It's life or death. What does it mean to you? Um, to be black for me it means to thrive in spite of Mm -hmm. strife and struggle because I think a lot of the times people um, can view blackness as a deterrent Mm -hmm. people view blackness as something that holds you back um, and it's not ever propelling you forward. And if it is propelling you forward, it is because 
you are disadvantaged in mm-hmm. some way, right? And I think that blackness is sacred. It is not duplicative. Like you, you I know. there are no two black people who are the same, <laughs> right? Um, it is cyclic. Um, I think it's cyclic and shared amongst black people. Um, and I think blackness has thrived despite people trying to erase it, um, trying to dim it, trying to damage it, trying to repurpose it. Um, Blackness has always stood its own ground and has fought for um, its right to exist. And I think that being black embodies it all, right? Because if we just look at black as a color, it is the inclusivity of all things, of all colors, right? Um, And with that, like our people are very indicative of that. We include everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. That's what what we were just talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But the strength in blackness I think is what our people embody because not only do we have the ability to to cover um, other people and other things, but we have the ability to stand out in such a way that is undeniable and inexplicable to your point. Um, so much so that so many people just want to be included. You just want to be here. And I think it's amazing because no matter how people try to duplicate and replicate, it just is never black mm-hmm. because there's a genesis quiet about blackness that people cannot duplicate. You have to be born with this, you know, you got to be born with it. And it sucks if you aren't <laughs> good luck if you try, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it'll never quite be. Mm-hmm that authenticity that black people carry. And it doesn't matter what part of the world we come from, that authenticity, that radiance, unmatched, mm-hmm. unmatched. So for me, that's what that's what it means to be black. Yeah, you wanted a bunch of adjectives, like I said. Um, <laughs> um, I think- That's what you call yeah, it. Yeah, sure. I think- uh, I think that um, I agree with everything that you said. I, you know, I agree with that. And I think that's why I can't explain. I can't explain what it's what's what it means because in reality, like I wouldn't know what it would be like to be without it. I remember what it was like to not understand it. Um but not necessarily to be void of it. So it's like, I know all all of these things I agree with, and I know all of these things are a part of it, but as a whole, like what it means to me, I could never tell you what it means because I can, I don't remember what it was ever like to be without. 
because it means everything to me. I do know what it ain't. <laughs> so what isn't it? <laughs> um, being Black isn't selfish. Being Black isn't unloving. It's, I know it isn't, black, being Black isn't jealous. Being Black, <laughs> like, I feel as though Black people have so much love and that's why we are able to include others, right? Like we were talking about. And to do it um, with no ill intent or malice intended, you know? And I think a lot of times people forget that. So <laughs> I know that being black isn't malice filled. I know that, you know, it isn't all those other things I said. I think being black is love, honestly. Being black is pure, unadulterated love. Don't get me wrong. We all have our experiences individually and, you know, you know, make, sometimes it changes who we are. But to the core of it, being black is love. Even in the way we talk. Even in the way we talk. I'm just showing love. How you showing love? You know, just showing up, calling a motherfucker, texting over. Like <laughs> being black is just it's just lit. This what's up. It's love. I think that's the the, the closest I could get to a definition. Okay. Oh, because love conquers all. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we should head up out of here. Ain't <laughs> that about a bitch? <laughs> So uh, it's been great, y'all. I hope y'all enjoyed the discussion today. Join us next week for another powerful discussion. We're going to get up in that thing. We're going to put a poll out. What does black mean? That's what we're going to do. We're going to pull a poll out. Yeah, y'all let us know. What does black mean to you? So be on the lookout for that. Yeah. A little post on the, on the page. Yeah, on, the, on IG. You know, hit us up on IG at Cultured and Candid Podcast on IG or what have you. You let us know what you what you think. You know, like I said, it's important for us all to define it in our own way. And I, I may not have no answers, but that don't mean I won't have none tomorrow. So why don't y'all tell us what y'all think? We're going to get up out of here or whatever. We appreciate y'all. Holler at your girls. Talk to us next week. Join Holler us next week. Don't forget, every Saturday. Holler at you.